Hey everyone, this episode of How Did I Get Here discusses mental health issues and suicide. If you or someone you know is in need of support, call Lifeline on 131 114 or Kids Helpline on 1800 55 1800. Yes, welcome back to How Did I Get Here? This is the show where we ask the question, how did you get here? Now, if you've seen any blue trees out in the wild, Kendall White is the genius behind them to spark conversations surrounding mental health. She's the founder and CEO of the Blue Tree Project and last year became the WA recipient of WA Young Australian of the Year. She joins us on How Did I Get Here? Kendall, thank you so much for joining us. Hi. <laughs> How's your day been so far? Great. Fantastic. Thank you for the intro. Oh, no worries. <laughs> well, look, let's start right at the beginning. So you grew up in the country town of Muck and Buden. Good try. Oh, Close. No. Muck and Buden. I'm... I even phonetically wrote it out too. I was so close. Okay, no. I'm glad you corrected me. So no. what was it like growing up there? So Muck and Boudin is in the central wheat belt um, in WA, very small town. I think there's all of 800 people sort of living there now. Um, but growing up in the country is very special for so many different reasons. Like it's there's something about the wide open spaces and growing up on a farm, like having that freedom I think was really um, – unique in a way and very fortunate to have that upbringing um country town very close um knit and um once again I think that builds friendships for life like I'm friends with so many people still that I grew up with um no matter how how long it's been um which is super special um and sport like sport is like the soul of regional communities so like grew up playing lots of sports so yeah that's they're the first couple of things that come to mind when sort of talking about muck and Boudin. um but there is only one school there yep. the district high and um i only went there until year seven and then actually moved to perth and went to boarding school which was like the complete opposite experience <laughs> um growing up absolutely well what was like school life like both before you moved um to boarding school mm. um and while you were there like what kind of student were you oh um look I think growing up in mucker we call it mucker for short yep um I'm just gonna say mucker from <laughs> now <laughs> um I think school life I mean catching the bus um as a student like Everyone would be picked up from their farms and so there was like this great camaraderie almost on the buses and then um, going to school, um, like small classes once again, really close with teachers as well. Like you see them out in the streets, like everyone knows everyone there. Um, I I was a good – I mean, I, I feel like I was a good student. <laughs> we all like to think we are. I, We all like to think that. Um, but I once received the Citizenship Award, so I feel like I was, like, a nice kind of person, like a nice yeah. friend. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Always, like, looking after or looking out for people um, from a young age. So, um, yeah, that's kind of primary school days. And, yeah, moving to – an all-girls private boarding school after growing up and going to Maka was just like polar opposites. Um, I remember thinking like the first day I got there, um, we were like walking around the schoolyard, sort of 
wondering what everyone does during recess and lunch and everyone was just like sitting down on the lawn like doing nothing in their like neat little uniforms and I was like why is no one like playing sport or doing anything I was like how boring (laughs) so I remember like just drastic changes and obviously in the boarding house like all of a sudden you've got 130 sisters basically Mm. um living under the same roof and um yeah leaving leaving home at like 11 12 years old also is like a huge thing that I mean you think about at that age to a certain degree, but you're more worried about leaving your childhood friends yeah. and like going to a new scary world. But um, I think there were so many wonderful opportunities that I was able to sort of immerse myself in um, going to a school like I did um, and really being given those opportunities to kind of take hold of, um, yeah, what is it that I'm interested in? What is it that I want to do? Um, and really find yourself, I guess, in a sense. And you get to do that alongside so many other individuals um, Mm. at school and creating new friendships and groups who, once again, still super close with and um, catching up with them now 13 years out of high school. So, yeah, like lifelong friendship groups and so many unique opportunities, Um, obviously – like everything like not everything's peachy and easy um and there's always challenges of moving away from home at Mm. such a young age and I guess um some people deal with it a little better than others um sometimes I felt like I was having like so much fun enjoying everyone's company and enjoying all these new opportunities that I didn't get too homesick um Mm. but there were definitely times where all you want to do is like be able to go home or like sleep in your own bed or um yeah just have your family and close like giving your mum a hug after school type thing like you don't get to do that so certainly a lot of challenges that come with um, that kind of school life. Yeah, no, for sure. And as well, like, you know, did you have a favourite or least favourite subject at school? Favourite subject was human biology. Mm-hmm. Least favourite was definitely chemistry. I was so <laughs> terrible. My chemistry teacher literally said that I was, like, creating a whole voodoo science or oh. voodoo chemistry because I was that bad. Like, Unleashing nothing ever <laughs> sense. <laughs> um, so that was definitely my weakest subject. But... Um, also really enjoyed doing um, textiles mm-hmm. and um, sort of design. So I did that as one of my T subjects. I remember being told like do like subjects that you enjoy mm-hmm. because you will always do well at them. Mm-hmm. Like, And I think a lot of the time we always get tied up with what level things are and like scaling and yeah. At the end of the day, it's you always do well mm-hmm. at the things that you enjoy. So I tried to try and do that. Did you manage to like get a bit of sport in there and like your school life too? Like, did you <laughs> yeah. get involved with that at all? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think there was something particularly about all the boarding school students because once again, just like sporting has just been the soul of our community. So yeah. we've all come together and um, we did all the sports, like mm-hmm. everything that we could would jam it all in. Like, yeah, we're talking like rowing, basketball, tennis, hockey, netball, like all of it, softball, just and dance so um I was very sporty like growing up and all Mm. through school it was kind of like a really great outlet as well um something that definitely drops off 
once you leave that like very <laughs> very organized regimented sort of um routine in school yeah. um I, I i go to the gym but i think there's something about like that team sport and spirit that is special that you get to experience in school so yeah. really encourage everyone to like get involved and do it yeah um, i think especially like what you said after you leave school and like getting to do it with other people yeah. um and yeah. like keeping each other accountable that way is just like a really good way yeah. to like keep it going so yes. i feel that like, yes um so after you left school um mm. you later went on to do a bachelor of science I at did. uwa yeah um and one of the last jobs that you had before the blue tree project was as a news editor yes at seven like tell us more about these ventures like yeah. did, you, did you see yourself um involved well I mean obviously you said you loved biology mm. um and so I've uh, then gone on and sort of taken myself into that um area so yeah I studied anatomy um with a yeah major anatomy and archaeology mm. so I had this sort of idea of being a forensic scientist yeah um and it was very cool in some ways um but then as life does you kind of get pulled in different directions Mm. so um I it was quite challenging coming out of uni like everyone expects you to have x amount of years of experience and you're all going for the same jobs and I just remember having group interviews and then follow-up interviews and trial days and it was just a really tough job market at that Mm. point in time where I was looking for work after I had graduated and I was like god this is not fun adulting Mm. is not fun (laughs) um and then an opportunity came up through a family friend actually Mm. to do some work experience at Seven West Media and so that was for what's known as like the transfers role. So basically you're responsible for all the footage that comes in for news stories mm-hmm. for from other news stations or um, satellites, like um, just hosts in different countries. So you were kind of like the centre of where all that came in and out. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was like nothing that you'd ever I'd ever studied for or even yeah. could prepare for, but... Um, I kind of thrived in that environment and naturally I think you get to know the landscape within that role and then you can sort of divert into a different role which is what I then did Mm. Um, and moved into the video editing side of things and became um, yeah a news editor there so it's just really interesting how diverse a career can be and I think Mm. that's what can be quite difficult is when you're first coming out of school You've got this plan, you think that's the pathway that you're going to take, um, but to really be able to embrace like um, extreme different opportunities, like that's an opportunity I never thought mm. I would like put myself in and it turned out to be such a fantastic role, met incredible people and then from that I've learned so much that I have now been able to apply in um, Blue Tree Project as well. So... Um, there was a bit of a time where at the end at Seven West Media, I sort of knew that I'd got to a point where I think I was, um, yeah, wanting to try something different or thought this wasn't really the direction I was maybe wanting to go. So now I'm going to try and redirect. And so I went back and did some study. Mm-hmm. Um, I enrolled to do my MBA and um, I only got one year through before I 
pretty much um, put a stop to it because the project was, well, had begun mm-hmm. and um, was demanding a lot of my time. And so I sort of had to make the plunge really because I couldn't work full time. I couldn't study and I couldn't start Bluetooth Project or give it the time that it was sort of demanding at the, that, that point in time. So, um, yeah, really had to sort of reevaluate and I thought – I might uh, might not put any more on the hex day if I can oh, yeah. <laughs> if I can help it. <laughs> yeah. um, that's fair enough because we've spoken a lot about hex sets and stuff, and yes. I think finding like the pathway that you're passionate about and learning to balance, you know, what's meaningful and yeah uh, to you is also so important. Yeah. Um. So you've mentioned the project already. So for those who don't know, tell us about the Blue Tree Project. Yeah. Um, so Blue Tree Project is a WA-based charity um, that I founded in 2019 and the project has come out of tragedy. I lost my brother, Jaden, to suicide in 2018. So Jaden was 29 um, when he took his own life and the project... Um, kind of began after the story that was shared at his funeral and it was that of Jaden painting a blue tree on our family farm in Muck and Budin as a practical joke. So he painted the original blue tree um, in 2014, so many years before we lost him and he actually painted it with a very special friend of his. Um, they snuck out, well they actually found a tin of paint randomly in our sheds like our work sheds and we're wondering sort of what they could do with it they didn't want to throw it out um and then they had this idea of painting this tree um on our farm and it's actually at our metal dump so it's like a place where we dump all the old truck shells and parts and bits and pieces and it's on a granite rock and they used to have like rock pools and we would go and catch tadpoles and spend a lot of time at this place. So, yeah, it's like a super special place um, to me. And so um, this story was shared um, at Jaden's funeral, as I mentioned. But what it did is it inspired others to then go and paint a tree as a bit of a tribute and as a conversation starter within the friendship group because – they didn't see it coming or we didn't see it coming at all with Jaden. And so what happened is um, one of his best mates then went and painted the next blue tree and shared it on Facebook. And I think it took him like two days and like 40 litres of paint. It was 45 degrees just before Christmas. And he shared a photo of the finished tree on Facebook. And it was from there that it kind of went viral, his post and before we knew it, we had people sharing photos in the comments section of the post um, of blue trees that they had painted. And I think we just saw how quickly it resonated with people or that online community particularly and just thought, wow, maybe there's something that we can do from this. We've seen this impact happen so quickly. There's, there's something about this visual symbol. And so... Um, it was still very early after losing Jaden, but um, kind of created an Instagram page to showcase the few trees that had been shared with us. And yeah, like it's just been unreal to see it grow since that day, since the start of 2019 and a real grassroots 
movement that I have now turned into a charity and I can sort of feel like I can comfortably say that we've had quite an impact now across Australia and um, other parts of the world. So, yeah, could never have imagined that it would have been like this and it's been like quite a bittersweet like journey and experience but um, it is a very special legacy to be able to remember my brother by I think yeah, yeah. no I was like so sorry and thank you for sharing the story of um you know the blue tree project and Jaden with us as well and you know you have made some really amazing incredible achievements as well so only last week I was on your website and it said that your website had 995 blue trees mm-hmm. registered at the time <laughs> and then as of today yeah. 18th of July 2023 mm. you've now raised 1006 trees yeah and like registered yeah. 1006 trees which is incredible like yeah. congratulations Thank like you. you know it's an amazing achievement did you ever expect the blue tree project to be as big as it did now no and I've kind of like a with the 1,000th milestone mm. that has just happened, I've tried to kind of take a bit of time to reflect on it. Because I think in the past I've had conflicting feelings about celebrating certain things within the project, obviously mm. because it is born out of tragedy and there is that element to it that you s- it feels like an interesting thing to celebrate sometimes. Yeah. But, um, no, I've taken the time to reflect and thought that, it is a pretty special experience to have a legacy like this to remember Jaden by because so many people lose loved ones to suicide and maybe don't get that same kind of support or um, sort of follow-up from their community. So I think Blue Tree Project really offers that and I just could never have imagined that like we would have like we've had a thousand registered trees. The truck drivers tell us there's way more out there, <laughs> which is quite hilarious. But I like to reflect on the number of conversations or hundreds of thousands of conversations that have happened because of those blue trees that are really dotted around um, Australia and other parts of the world as well. Yeah, well, I was just about to say that as well because I was checking out the list of blue trees you had <laughs> on the website and it's yes. not just blue trees in Australia. No. There's blue trees in Indonesia, New Zealand, Germany, the UK, Africa, Argentina, Canada and in the USA. <laughs> and yeah. I'm sure that's like just the beginning as well. Mm. Like, you know, what does it mean to see the impact of the Blue Tree Project internationally? Yeah, I think I have to say that's the power of social media and whether you love it or hate it, mm. I have to say it's been really beneficial for us to share our cause and message. Um, and, yeah, for it to be international, like – gone global on every continent except for Antarctica but we're working on that (laughs) um yeah it's really unreal like it's it's nice to know that we're kind of reaching all um parts of the world yeah um what was well for people who are probably wondering as well what are some ways they can get involved with the blue tree project Mm. um and something I also wanted to ask you as well is because I know there's obviously some rules to painting a blue tree and Mm. things like that which I really loved in terms of um it being environmentally friendly um and things like that too and you know what are some other ways if you can't paint a blue tree what are you what are ways you can get involved yeah we've seen people get really creative in um So we encourage people to only paint deceased trees, giving it a blue lease on life, as we say, and being mindful that there's no wildlife or anything living within that tree. Um, Being conscious of the paint that you're using um, 
And if you don't have a tree, there are so many ways that we've seen people, whether yarn bombing a living tree or wrapping it in fabric. Um, We've seen sculptures being created. We've seen branches transplanted into pots, um, murals as well and artworks that can be utilised. So there's so many different ways that you can make it work for your particular environment. I think that's what's so special and unique about Blue Tree Project is that we have this visual symbol, this tangible sort of object and people can make it work in their environment, whether that's a mine site, a kindergarten, a retirement home, a Mm. university. We've seen it used in so many different settings and, um, yeah, each blue tree sort of has its own meaning but what it is doing is it's, it's permanent and it's acting as that visual reminder for people when they do walk past to self-reflect on our own mental health but also maybe thinking about loved ones or a mate that's been going through a rough time and just sort of hopes yeah I hope that people sort of stop and pause just for a moment when they see a tree Mm. um and do just think about how they are tracking yeah yeah well I want to talk to you about the Australian of the Year awards Mm. uh firstly tell us about when you found out you'd been put forward for a nomination Gosh, I can't, I don't know, I can't really remember. You know, it's like one of those moments where you're told and you're like, wait, is this real? That's unreal. Um, I can't, I don't know who nominated me. Oh, so it's still a mystery then? Yeah, I don't know if that's something that I am allowed to know. Anyway, (laughs) um, very special to be put forward for such an award and to, yeah, just be among so many incredible people, like Mm. the experience I really wanted to make the most of it and really utilise that platform as best as I could because I thought, like, you're in front of, like, a whole great number of people who are doing incredible things but also, like, the media um, potential and exposure Mm. to really get the cause and message out there and help it grow. Um, I really wanted to take advantage of that and I think, like, it has definitely helped us grow and just take us to that more sort of national level. Like mm. we, we've we always had trees over east, but particularly the first half of this year, majority of the trees that are being painted are definitely on the east coast now. Um, but 60% are still here in WA because mm-hmm. it was born and bred here. And I think because of COVID, us like being locked away here, like it really just like fueled within the state. So um yeah, plenty coming in from over east and really wanted to make the most of that whilst mm. we were over there because the awards, the final, um, the finals are in Canberra mm-hmm. and I was fortunate enough to go and fly over at the time. Thanks, um, the borders were actually open. So I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to go even if I can't get back in. Like this is kind of like a once <laughs> in a lifetime experience. I'm just going to make it work and be a WA refugee if I have to. Um and yeah, just like seeing Grace Tame and Dylan Alcott and just people that I've read their books and admired them from afar and then to be in the same room with them was just, yeah, a really special moment. Um, but also the other finalists that I was alongside, um, our little cohort, were really close and it's it was nice to be able to get to know them a little better and form that, that relationship as well. 
And when you found out that you became a nominee for WA, mm. um, you know, what was the process like for you? Was there anything that you had to do to, like, prepare or to, like, get involved or was it um, – like, th- what was that process like? Yeah, I think I wanted to be prepared. Um, well, I guess you, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, win or lose, it's an incredible opportunity. Mm. But if you do win, like – wow, your whole world will change. And I kind of was like, I kind of need to prepare for that if that is the best case scenario. So, like, I made sure, like, all the website was up to date. I had, like, information booklets and flyers and ways that people can help and get involved um, just so I had it on hand because it was just me running the project, Mm. wearing all the hats. And so I was very conscious of that and – just making sure I was prepared enough to go over and, yeah, rep WA as best as I could. <laughs> and when you found out you were the recipient of WA's Young Australian of the Year, like who, like, were who, like where were you, who were you with? Like, do you remember, do you remember that? So um, there's actually a finalist dinner. So okay. we all got to go to, oh gosh, I can't remember the hotel. Anyway, we had a great <laughs> dinner. Um, all the finalists were there, got to meet the others alongside me. And yeah, it was kind of like, I was at the very back of the room, I actually remember now. It's the very back of the room and they called out my name and I just remember thinking, oh, that's quite a long walk from the back of the room and <laughs> um, get up on stage and they ask you all these questions and you respond and you've like done your pitch deck like <laughs> as many as because like you've only got like these short um moments mm-hmm. where you really want to like sell it as best as you yeah. can in that moment um to try and get the cause and mission out there as best as possible so um yeah it was kind of like a world changing moment really and yeah super grateful and, you know, you talked about as well how um, you becoming a recipient has um, impacted the Blue Tree Project. Like, mm. what, it, what has it also done for yourself as an individual? Um, gosh, I mean, lots. And it's almost hard to pinpoint because um, so many opportunities have come out of it, I think, for Blue Tree Project, whether that's um, more key speaking opportunities, um going along to events or um, getting corporate sponsors, um, just meeting lots of contacts generally. It impacts your life in so many different ways and it's kind of, yeah, hard to pinpoint exactly. I just know for a fact that having that platform, it puts um, more legitimacy, I guess, to what you're doing yeah. and therefore people sort of – more likely to jump on board or um yeah give you a bit more credit for the work that you've done to that point yeah what advice would you give to those who are thinking of nominating someone and putting someone forward for the Australian of the Year awards so I think there are a lot of incredible everyday people doing amazing things within their community or work that's helping others and I think sometimes you'll um, underestimate the impact that is being made. So I would just recommend putting any local hero or anyone that you think is doing incredible work because chances are they've got a good chance, like a good shot at um, having an opportunity to really then launch their work or success um, to that next level. Awesome. And got some reflection questions as well. Okay. Uh, well, just, just the one actually. Uh, hypothetical we post to all guests 
on the show. Oh, okay. What advice would you give 15-year-old Kendall? Oh, I knew this was coming. Um, <laughs> learn how to say no earlier. Mm. I think that's something I struggled with very early on is I sort of felt this need to say yes to everything. And um, although it's very good to take up lots of opportunities, you also have to be very mindful of setting up those boundaries and not being um, like worried of offending people because of that. And it's something that I've learned over the last couple of years and got a lot better at now, um, especially because I have to practice what I preach. And Mm. so um, setting up those boundaries, it's not me um, sort of negating people's help or whatever. It's me looking after myself because I can only do my best if I'm looking after myself. And it's also how you can look after your loved ones and friends best as well is if you're looking after yourself and making sure that you're in a good place. So, yeah, I think that's what I would tell 15-year-old, well, 15 years old, um, Kendall. Yeah, no, that's really good advice as well. And if people wanted to get involved with the Blue Tree Project, like where can we find the Blue Tree Project and where can we find you? Yeah, so Blue Tree Project, um, you can support us in a couple of different ways and get involved, but we offer mental health first aid training courses and awareness sessions that I would really recommend so many people do. Um, It gives you the skills to have those difficult conversations. Um, So I really recommend doing that. Um, You can also volunteer. We have events um, that you can either, well, help volunteer at or come along. You can support us that way as well. Um, Or just even following and sharing some of our content on socials. We're on all the platforms. Um, And, yeah, our website, www.bluetreeproject.com.au. It's all there and um, including the list, the long list of the 1,000 trees now. <laughs> no, I love looking at that list because I'm like, oh, yeah, that's near me or that's near me. Or, oh, I've seen that one and it's it's, it's fantastic yeah. and I'm looking forward to watching that list and that number grow even more. Um, if you know someone uh, doing amazing work like Kendall, go to australianoftheyear.org.au and nominate them for the 2024 awards before July 31st. Kendall, thank you so much for joining us um, and as well if you would like to stay up to date on all our content at student edge you can follow us at student underscore edge on instagram student edge on tiktok search us up on student edge on youtube head to studentedge.org for all our articles podcasts deals competitions career tips education advice and much much more thank you so much for joining us thank you